Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live, presented by Cadillac, the official luxury vehicle of the New York football giants. John Schmoke and Paul Dottino, live from Schmoke's Hotel Room here in Tempe, Arizona. Uh, we're about three hours or so away from getting on a plane and flying to San Francisco for the Thursday night football game. Giants, of course, heading into the game at 0-1. Niners are 2-0. Mr. Dottino, it's been a couple of long, hot days what did I say? Oh, the Niners are one and one. One that, and one. That's... Giants are one and one. As I said, said, I, said I thought Giants... you said zero oh and one. No, I said Giants are one and one. Did you? And Niners are two and zero. Oh. I'm sorry, I thought you said the Giants were zero oh and one. Well, Giants are one and one. Okay, because they play two games. So they one, have. And, well, one and one equals they two. They have. And the 49ers are two and all. Oh. He's like Paul's doing like like weird like air traffic controller signals. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know what the hell he was talking. Well, I didn't about. want to speak. I thought no, I would just give fine. you a hand signal. No, that's fine. Okay. Um, yeah, I didn't know what your hand signal meant. That's okay. But, <laughs> All right, Paul. So it's been a couple of long, hot days here. Obviously, these short weeks are tough, yeah. and this is not the team you want to have a short week against either. You know, a football guy I talked to yesterday said to me differently. A football guy. What does that mean, a football, a football guy? guy? A football a, guy. A guy who was a longtime coach. Okay, there you uh, go. And said to me, you know, maybe this is actually better for the Giants. Because right. I questioned him, and I said. How do you spin it? Well, I said, don't you think it would have been better to play um, San Francisco first and then Arizona on the short week. And he said, no, I see it the opposite way. And his reasoning was this, and he said it was a very strong reason because both teams do not have much time to prepare for each other. And he said, San Francisco, one of the the things that, that they usually have in terms of an edge on their opponent is all of the complexities and all of the different things that they will do with their offense. And he said, given that the game is only a few days away, the Niners are not going to be able to put all that stuff into their game plan this week. So he said, figure they're going to have a smaller percentage or a smaller portion of what is usually a very wide-ranging game plan to use against the Giants. So he said, if I'm Wink Martindale going up against Shanahan's offense, I'm actually happier that he's got fewer days to prep for our game than the other way around. And I said, well, uh, I didn't think of it that way, but if you really want to sell that to me, you were in the game a lot longer than I was, I'll buy it. So that's where I'm at. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I understand that to a certain extent, but I'll just say this too. Wing Martindale's defense is Wing Martindale's defense, right? So they could have easily put in a bunch of stuff in the offseason to get ready for this game to be ready to go as well. So we'll see how it goes. Either way, it's going to be a very difficult game for the Giants, obviously. Short week on the road. You know, you look at history, road teams on Thursday night football. Oh, sure. Always at a disadvantage. Um, because you lose a whole day, right? Because we're traveling today, so it's not a full day of preparation while the 49ers are at their facility and they get a full day of meetings and everything like that while this is the transition day uh, for the Giants getting out there to San Francisco. It's a short flight. It's only a couple hours, hour and a half. Mm-hmm. But still, you, have, you know, between the bus rides, the equipment getting unloaded and reloaded, all that stuff, it just takes up time of your day to get ready for the game. So, And the other problem is that the Niners are just really good. <laughs> you look at their team. Uh, their offense is excellent. Their defense is even better probably. You know, Brock Purdy is undefeated 
since he took over as starting quarterback. 7-0 in regular season. Fourth longest uh, streak to start a career. Uh, the 49ers are 12-0 and in their last 12 regular season games. Also pretty good. Uh, they've scored 30 or more points in their last five regular season games, and they've forced two or more takeaways in each of their last five regular season games, and that's not counting their 40-point demolition of um, Seattle, I think, in the first round mm-hmm. of the playoffs last year. So needless to say, the Niners are very, very talented, and we're going to have to figure that out. Purdy doesn't make mistakes, John. To be honest with you, that's the thing about Purdy. He just does not make mistakes. He's patient. He's poised. He's got a great sense of timing, getting rid of the ball just before he gets hit in the pocket so he doesn't take an inordinate number of sacks. Uh, He usually makes right decisions in terms of where the ball is going when he throws it. And let's not kid ourselves. His skill position players know how to get open. They know how to work with him. And when the ball comes their way, they will complete the play. I mean, that's that's really what it comes down and to. And not just complete the play. They'll complete the catch, and then they'll have yards after catch. Yeah. Uh, Next Gen Sats uh, had a number where I think Debo Samuel was number one in yak yards over expected. Christian McCaffrey is like fourth. This is like in the league since 2022. <laughs> I know. And the other thing about Purdy, and I thought Bobby O'Karake put it quite well. He kind of talked to talked about him. Like he was a piece, he called him a point guard, right? And yeah. That's how they're kind of referring to him this week. And he just distributes the ball. It was another great next gen stat where uh, since the start of 2022, 67% of Brock Purdy's downfield passes have been to either open or wide open receivers. It's the highest rate in the NFL by more than 10% of any other quarterback. And I think the third place guy is almost 20% behind that number. And that goes back to the Shanahan scheme, right? Not Mm -hmm. only the talent, but you have guys that you can move into different spots. Debo Samuel, though he's only been in the backfield five times this year, which is less than usual. He can line up in the backfield. He can line up outside. McCaffrey does both, obviously. He's in the slot outside backfield. Uh, Juszczyk can be lined up on the line outside as a fullback. George Kittle can be on the line and outside. And then throw in the fact that they use motion more than 70% of their plays and shifts to move the defense around. Shanahan is just so good at creating open areas to manipulate defenders to give Purdy, frankly, easy throws. He has zero big-time throws this year, according to Pro Football Focus. Zero. Do you know why? Guys are open all over the field because of the scheme and the talent of the individuals. I think it's important that people understand when you say that. I believe the definition when they go through that next-gen stats of being wide open is three yards of separation. Open is three to five. Wide open is five or more. Okay, there you go. Correct. Thank so, you. So, folks, we're talking about like a canyon around these yes, guys. Yes, that is Open. Did you know what the old cliche is? Like, if you have a yard of separation in the NFL, you're open. Well, this is right. not what this calculation okay. is. Yeah, it's more and than he's that. not throwing guys open either. No, 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 no. Guys <laughs> They're are already there. Free. When the ball comes in, they've already got, like, this big bubble of space around them. You know the old Vince Lombardi run the daylight? Brock Purdy's throwing the daylight. Yes. Okay? Yes. And that's what really makes their, their offense so difficult to deal with, in addition to the fact that they do a good job up front of their one-on-one blocks. And if you watch McCaffrey when he runs the ball, I mean, we've already talked about the passing game. Yeah, let's get let's to talk McCaffrey. about the running game yeah, for please. a minute. Yeah. McCaffrey, all he's got to do is look at the alignment, know that his guys are handling their one-on-one blocks correctly, and then he just slithers through the hole of the open lane because it's not often that defenders work off of the Niners' offensive lineman's blocks. They do a really good job of holding their line. And and when you have that as a running back, your job is so easy because you just go where the play's designed to go. You know, one thing Shanahan has done over the last couple of years to deviate from their traditional system, he's actually gone the more power and gap mm-hmm. stuff in his run game. This year he's gone back to outside zone. Nearly half of their runs have been outside zone this year. They're averaging seven yards per carry on those runs, by the way. It's, it's so unbelievable. They're running a lot of outside zone now. And the other really good stat that uh, that next gen stats uh, sent out, they do a big stat package for the uh, mm-hmm. Thursday night game. So there's a lot of stuff in there. I'm trying to find the number here. Here it is. When the Niners have run out of 11 personnel this year, 
They have 18 carries for 206 yards, averaging 11 and a half yards per carry. It's crazy. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And that's not a small sample size. That's 18 carries. I know. That's a lot. When they get a hat on a hat, the defender usually does not disengage to make the play. It's just that Correct. simple. Yes. All right. Here's one thing I will throw out there as a weakness on offense, because there aren't many of them. But here's one that I'll throw out there to mm-hmm. you. Their center and the right side of their offensive line has struggled a little bit this year. All right? You have Trent Williams and Banks, Aaron Banks on the left side. Neither one of those players has allowed a sack or a quarterback hit. Banks has allowed some pressures, but for the most part, left side of their offensive line has been good. Right. Jake Brendel, their center, has allowed a quarterback hit and four pressures. Spencer Buford, their right guard, has allowed eight pressures in two games, which is an astronomical number for a guard. Mm -hmm. And then their right tackle, remember, they lost Caleb McGarry um, in the offseason. He left. So they have, um, wait, Caleb McGarry? No, he was with the Falcons. It's McKivitz. No, they have McKivitz. I'm trying to think who their starter at right tackle was last year that they lost. Not important. Right tackle, Colt McKivitz, he's given up three sacks, two quarterback hits, and six pressures this year. So we know the Giants are the only team in the NFL without a takeaway or a sack. Mm-hmm. I think if Wink can work some – if you, first of all, you got to get him in the third along, first of all, okay? Because, and by the way, Niners, number one in the NFL this year, they're averaging almost seven yards per play on first down. So it's going to be hard to get them into those situations. Mm-hmm. But if you can, I think you can attack the right side of that offensive line and pass protection a little bit and wreak some havoc. The only problem with doing that, John, is that that's Purdy's front side. And he is so good at feeling the heat and seeing the heat and getting rid of the ball on time. Well, just in general, they get rid of the ball quick. They do. Mm-hmm. They do. And, and like, I just got done last night, finished watching the, the entire uh, Rams game and, and doing the film breakdown on that. And I just, you know, one of the things I wrote down is that Purdy has such a terrific sense of the pressure. He, he knows just when that pocket's about to close and collapse on him. He seems to have this little trigger that says, okay, boom, that's when the ball's got to come out. So if they're not getting rid of it in quick game, he still knows when to get it out when he's back dropping back into a full regular step drop and the pocket's about to close. I, I'm, I'm marveling at him. And I guess it's all those people last year when he was a rookie and thrown into the lineup down the stretch, and people were saying, like, well, where did this guy come from? How did people miss him? And the, the, the old statement is, well, he didn't have the measurables, right? He didn't have the cannon arm. Well, also, he didn't have the great size. His last two years at Iowa State you were know, not very good. Didn't have great numbers. Yeah. Right. All of that stuff. You look at him now. All of those wards don't seem to show up. And he's also mobile. He can make some plays. Yes. He can make plays off schedule where he's, you know, that's the one thing Jimmy Grapple could never do, right? You got pressure on Jimmy. He kind of was not the best when he dealt with mm-hmm. pressure, and he couldn't really scramble and create stuff. Purdy can do that. So it gives another kind of layer to that offense. The only guy that I could compare him to a little bit, and I know I'm going back a little. Remember the Cleveland Browns had Brian Sype? At quarterback uh, for a was, lot of years. I do know Brian Seip. He's I didn't really watch him he was, he, was my a, time. he was a smaller guy. He was mid-80s, Brian yeah. Seip? Yeah. He was a smaller guy. Didn't have a cannon of an arm, but he had that innate ability to get rid of the ball on time. He could also move around, throw on the run, find the receivers who were open. That's about the – and in some ways, I'm, I'm sensing a lot of him in, in, in Purdy. But that's about the only guy that I could truly compare him to. Join us on Thursday, September 21st at BK Backyard in Brooklyn, New York. The BK. Watch the Giants take on San Francisco for Thursday night football. Enjoy Modelo drink specials, meet a Giants legend, and enter a raffle to win game tickets and more. Visit Giants.com slash bar network to learn more. Okay, that's the Niners offense, Paul. Let's do the Niners defense here now, okay? Also really good. Uh, it doesn't get any better, John. No, they're about, they're about sixth in, in, in pressure rate. Uh, they have four, or if, I'm sorry, five different defensive linemen with at least six pressures on the year. Oh. Um, Nick Bosa arrived 
three days before their first, five days before their first regular season game. He only played 30-something snaps in week one, only had one quarterback hit. Well, then he played 65 snaps or so in week number two, and he, no sacks, but he did have three quarterback hits in that game mm-hmm. and a lot of pressures. Um, he, Despite the fact, again, he showed up five days before the season started, he has like a 28% pressure rate, which is fifth or sixth best of any pass rusher in the league. So, yeah, he's really good. Oh, and by the way, do you remember Javon Hargrave from the Eagles? They're really good defensive tackle. Well, they found money to sign him in the offseason. He's really good. He joins Eric Armstead, who, by the way, also really good. And then a guy both of us really liked in the draft last year, uh, second year, this is two years ago, so the 2022 draft, Drake Jackson from USC, who has a lot of juice off the edge. He had three sacks coming off the edge in week one, and he's been very good off the edge. And then you, then your guy, Cleland Farrell, who didn't work out in, in – in, Las Vegas, he's had a nice little year. He has mm-hmm. four or five pressures. Mm-hmm. So, again, it's waves of guys. They do run stunts. They do not blitz a lot. They want to try to get home with four. And I don't want to give Giant fans you know, PTSD here, but it's very similar to where the Cowboys run their pass rush. Yeah. Um, the first thing that, that I noticed was that entire line gets off the ball very quickly. Paul, I bought this stat for you. Next-gen stat. I'm happy you brought it up. Okay. Both the defensive ends and defensive tackles, yeah. individually and as a group, top five get-off rates in the Doesn't league. surprise so, me at all. So the tape did not lie to you. It does not lie. Nope. I mean, they are lightning off the, off the line. And, and that's the first thing that jumps out at you immediately, like a neon sign. Um the second thing that I saw, which was very interesting, is that they are very much um, believing in the horseshoe pressure package. They want their two ends to get upfield and meet at the back side of the pocket. And what they're, what they're insisting on is that their two defensive tackles get a push so that your guy can't step up and gets crushed at the back of the pocket. Yep. Now, what the Rams did the other day, they had a number of instances where they held the two defensive tackles at the line. They couldn't get that front pressure. So Stafford was able to step up a couple of times and then make throws because the ends were meeting at the back of the pocket and Stafford wasn't there. He was in front of them because there was that small hole where he was able to step up. So I think that's a huge key for the Giants is that they've got to be able to make sure Daniel has the ability to step into a throw or step up if necessary because those two ends are going to do everything they can to meet in the backfield. Yeah, and they have two very good tackles to compress uh, the width of the pocket as well, or rather the uh, depth of the pocket right. with Javon Hargrave, Eric Armstead. They're terrific. So they're good. So the Giants' offensive line will be tested um, much more than they were on Sunday. It'll be much more like week <laughs> one against Dallas. Uh, and then they don't have a ton of guys in the secondary, but Fred Warner, we should bring him up, Paul. He is probably the best inside linebacker in football. The guy's range is unbelievable. Uh, he gets sideline to sideline. His instincts and coverage, you know, knowing where to be in zone, mm-hmm. identifying targets, stuff like that, it's off the charts. And he's a good blitzer. So he is a do-everything middle linebacker uh, that every team would like because he could cover tight ends, he can play zone, he can blitz, he can pretty much do everything you want him to yeah, do. Yeah, there's, there's absolutely no question. Three-down backer. That's why... Um, I don't know if you have a number on it, John. Again, I, I don't study the numbers as much as I'm just watching the, the game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I rarely saw them in dime. No, they, they do not. No, because they like to have him and Dre Greenlaw. They're two linebackers on the field because, frankly, they're just really, really They good have players. such athleticism and yeah, range. correct. So they don't, they don't go small with a lot of dime packages. They don't. You know, they'll do some nickel, obviously, but they're just not going to get caught a lot in dime. Let's see. Do I have that? So – and that's what makes it difficult because, you know, sometimes when teams will, will overuse the dime because they're so worried about, you know, your passing game or your ability to, to run speed or quick game, then you could bully them with the run. Nine, only 9.8, I'm sorry, only 0.3% of their snaps, second field. Was it that rate. Was it that low? That's since that's, the start of 2022. Holy sm- Well, that, again, that, does not, that number does not surprise me. You're right and, on it today, Paulie Dots. And, but, but it's scary. Well. No, it, they're, they're scary good. <laughs> they are. They're scary good. Yeah, and, and I mentioned Warner. Drake Greenlaw is actually a pretty darn good player. Yes. Too, by the way. Yes, so you've got these guys who they can keep in in your obvious passing situation, but you can't trip them up by trying to run the ball right. because those two linebackers are going to stick you. Yeah, and look, they're going to play a ton of zone. They have one of the highest zone defense rates in the league. It's a lot of 
cover three and some cover four mm-hmm. snuck in there too. They do play some cover one. They'll mix things up a little bit. They don't have you know the the, the best you know top cornerbacks in the league. It's it's just not kind of where they've put a lot of their resources. Um, they more worry about they have a couple of good safeties and Talanoa Hufanga, uh, Tayshawn Gibson is back there, mm-hmm. and then at cornerback. Uh, I believe it's Diamador Lenore, if I'm not mistaken. I do not know I have how to double-check that we one. We need to. And then you have Charvarius Ward and Isaiah Oliver as well. So uh, those are their corners. Ambry Thomas is on the injured list. We'll see if he plays. He's mm-hmm. kind of their fourth cornerback. Uh, but, again, they play a lot of cover three. They try to keep um, everyone kind of in front of them a little bit. They don't want to allow plays over the top. I think they've only allowed three passes of 20 more yards this year, which is you know top of the league, near the top of the league. So – that's maybe a spot where the Giants can do some damage. But the problem is that, you know, unless you're get just doing a bunch of quick early passes, you're going to have to protect long enough to try to take advantage of some of that deep zone that they're going to play. I wrote down the following items. I said to, to me, I said, if you're going to attack this defense, Ward often gives way too much cushion. You can get a lot of completions yeah. against Javier. Got to get Ward. in front of him. That's that. That to me is the, is the weak spot in terms of their their defensive secondary. Throw a lot at Ward as often as possible. I wrote down run off to the left side of your offense. If you can get wide, all right, because Bosa is so interested. He's a great player, but he's so interested in getting upfield. If you can get wide around him to the sideline, you can run effectively to your left side against the Niners' defense. The other thing I I wrote down was throw outside the numbers all the time. Do not throw into the middle of the field against these guys because those linebackers are going to cause you trouble. That is not a good idea. So always try to throw to the outside when you can. So it's short, quick perimeter throws is basically what you're looking at. And then the other thing I wrote down was, did you um, watch the Rams? I guess it was their first touchdown. Mm -hmm. They used a backside screen. Okay. Which was really sweet because you know that the Niners are so good in team defense and their pursuit is so good. The, the Rams used a backside screen, which totally faked them out, and it turned out to be an easy touchdown. If I'm the Giants, that play is going to be in my playbook, and at some point in a key spot in the game, I'm pulling it out. The Rams used it in the red zone, and they got a touchdown out of it. I would like to see that play used by the Giants at least a couple of times. Yeah, Niners don't blitz a ton. They will try to get home with their four and not – you know, put their secondary in a bad Why should spot. They? No, I wouldn't do it if I were them either. <laughs> All right, let's get to your calls, folks. 201-939-4513. Uh, real quick on the injury report, we should mention that. Uh, Dan, Brian Dable did speak yesterday, said they're going to take Saquon Barkley probably up until game time. It'll be a game time decision. Mm-hmm. I imagine it'll probably be similar with Andrew Thomas. We'll keep an eye on that throughout the week as well. Uh, the official injury report should be out today. Uh, at some point this afternoon. He That'll said be a little similar bit. with Ojolari. And Ojolari as well. And so. then Bredesen with the protocol, he said very, very unlikely. Correct. And then we'll see what happens with Brandon Ayuk out in San Francisco. And yeah. We'll, and we'll see Shoulder. what happens with Ambry Thomas out there too. Brandon Ayuk has been their top wide receiver this year. Uh, likes throwing to him. So something to keep an eye on. Run or walk with Giants legends. The Giants Foundation will host a 5K racing kids run presented by Quest on Sunday, October 8th at 9 a.m. at MetLife Stadium. Net proceeds will benefit the Giants Foundation. All participants will receive a commemorative t-shirt after the race. Stay for a post-race festival with appearances by Giants legends and a live DJ. Register now at Giants.com slash 5K. All right, let's do it, folks. Get on the phones, 201-939-4513. We have a full bank. Let's go to James in Georgia. He'll lead us off today, then Steve, then Vinny. James, what's going on? Hey, what's going on, fellas? How y'all doing today? Good. Nothing much, nothing much. Um, so last, a couple of seasons ago, I called about a, a lineup on like a what-would-you-rather-do scenario, just putting your GM hat on. And I think kind of now we're in the same scenario. Um so my question, I have a question, and I uh, one more comment. Um, sure. If if you had to go with the young lineup, because on Sunday, uh, I believe we probably had like the youngest lineup, uh, offensive line in the league, and they they did a pretty good job. So would you go with? I think Golinski might have, you know, answered the question for us. But would you go with the younger line now, knowing that you're gonna not win as many games as if you had a veteran in place this year, but next year, you know, you with their development, you're going to guarantee yourself at least 13 wins, or would you go with the veteran line now for this year, 
knowing you got a playoff team and then next James, year, James, 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 I'm going to stop you for a second. They're going to play the line that gives them the best <laughs> chance to win. And I don't know on what planet you're guaranteeing yourself 13 wins next year if you play the young guys this year. I would like to live on that planet, um, but I'm not sure that planet exists. Um, look, when Bredesen gets well, back – no, James, 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 no. I mean, just because you play young guys doesn't mean they're all, all going right. to become really good players. All right. All right. All right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So here's what I'm going to say. No, they, they... What? Go ahead. I'm not saying, like, I'm not saying like, get, like guarantee and all that stuff. because That was your quote. That was your quote. I'm, it's guaranteeing 13 wins. Yeah. I'm quoting you, James. You did. I, I, well, you did. Maybe, maybe, maybe I use. Maybe I, I misread miss, uh, use the wrong word and guarantee. You know what I'm saying? But I mean, like. As far as when GMs have to make the prediction of well, we're going to cut somebody going with the with the projection predictions of a younger guy, not saying oh we're going to start the best line now because they they're obviously not choosing to do that if they put a lesser guy in that they're going that they're. You know, a younger yeah, but guy no, 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 but James, they, they, and James, they didn't do that. Cut they, down days are, are past. You're not cutting anybody. They played Mark McKeith, Marcus McKeithen last week because they thought he would be better than Mark Lewinsky. That they didn't do it for right. some future development no. project. They did it because they thought he'd be better today. They needed to win the game. Yes. Right. 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 So maybe this is this was like the last time I asked the question was like an off season, more of an off season question. Yes. Uh, but I mean, in this situation. Then yes, I'm just asking. Now that Glowinski has kind of taken himself out of the equation, and I I do believe that GMs do say like, hey, if we get these guys or and uh, coaches, if we get this guys the experience now, they will be better next year. All right, but you know, give us half a second here. The Giants are in the third week of the regular season in 2023. Trust me when I tell mm-hmm. you these coaches are busting their butts all week here, whatever it is here. We're, doing, we're here three days in Arizona. Yes, I and, can't even count. Yes, and, and also Joe Shane's not telling them what to play. Either, no, no. To try to figure out a way to beat the 49ers, the furthest thing from their mind is what's going to happen in 2024. Yes. I the, guarantee you of that. And second of all, Mark Lewinsky played well last week. He actually played one of his better games And with Bredesen in concussion yeah, protocol, exactly. Lewinsky's playing again. Yeah, oh, no, he might not. I mean, we'll see. If Andrew Thomas right. starts at left tackle, though, you could see Azudu at left guard and McKeithen at right guard, too. You could. I don't. Just don't know about Thomas's availability. Yet. No, neither do I. I'm, I'm saying if. If Thomas plays, oh. I, I think they would play Azudu over Lewinsky at guard, don't you? Probably. I think so, too. So that's something we'll keep an eye on. James, now please go move on to your next point. Uh, it's, it's all good. I, I'll take the rest off the air. Okay, but you, James, it. you didn't ask anything else. Oh, I know. Did, it's, it's did you have one more thing? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you said you had another question and comment. I'm good. Okay, I'm good. thank you, thank you James. It. Appreciate the call. 201-939-4513. Let's go to Steve in New Jersey. He wants to talk about the old line as well. Steve, what's going on? Steve, you want to look Hi, ahead guys. to 24? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, that, that's great. He's looking ahead, but uh, there's there's a game to be played. Steve, Hi, what's up, buddy? Steve, how you doing? We're good. Um, I was wondering how the Giants' offensive line is going to stack, stack up with the front seven of the 49ers. It looks pretty bleak. What type of plays can the Giants do to move the ball? Now, Steve, I'm going to say this, and and just to be fair, I don't care who your front is. You go up against this 49ers defensive front, your outlook's going to be bleak. So this is not independent to the Giants' offensive line. Every every offensive line would have their hands fill with with what the 49ers do up front. Look, it's going to be a rough go. I mean, they're going to give up pressures. They're going to give up quarterback hits. They're going to give up sacks. You just hope that they they play well enough so that the line can function. Right, so so the offense can function. Part of me, just give Daniel Jones time. You know, don't get him into that mode he was in by the, I don't know, third drive of the game against Dallas, with the second his foot hit the ground on his three or five step drop, he's thinking that he has to run for his life. So I'm not asking for you know Daniel Jones to have a tea party back there, you know, pass the croissant, take a sip, but I am asking that he's not like. You know, speed three, Daniel Jones, if he stops moving in the pocket for less than three seconds, he's going to blow up. So 
that's kind of where I'm hoping the offensive line can go, just because of how good the Niners front yeah. is. I wasn't going to go here this early in the program. In fact, I was probably going to save it for the pregame show. Different audience. I, I, think, what do you got? I think more than ever, Daniel Jones has to play Superman for the Giants to win this game. Yeah. And, and I don't and, disagree with you. And, and what I'm talking about is I think his escapability – with you is going to be the primary factor if the Giants pull off this upset or even if they're really in a tight ball game it's because Daniel Jones threw for 300 yards and ran for about 80 think about that first drive against Dallas the way he evaded the rush and ran for Mm -hmm. about 30 yards in that first drive against Dallas Mm -hmm. that's that's the kind of of full game Daniel Jones is going to have to have. And you remember what I said about Stafford? Especially, by the way, if Saquon can't go. Because oh, without a doubt. Be really tough running the ball. Now, you remember what I said about Stafford in the Rams game last week? They gave him just enough room in, in a number of instances where he could take a step or two and was able to get the ball out. Daniel is going to have to be very instinctive as to know when the heat's coming, how quickly it's coming. Have a good feel. And have a great feel for when to get that ball out and also when to move and when to tuck it down and run. I'm telling you, if the Giants are in this game or if they pull it off, it's going to be because Jones had a phenomenal night. And that's the only way I, I really believe the Giants can steal this game. He's got to play huge. I mean, you can, you can always play the special team score, defensive score, a turnover fluke. game. That's a fluke. But that's a fluke. Yes, you I, can't game plan for that. I totally agree with you. I'm with you. And by the way, I don't Thank like... Thank you, Steve. Appreciate yeah. the call. And I don't like to do that. I don't like to put a game oh, on the quarterback's that. shoulders and say, he's got to play huge. I, 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 that's not a good way to go into a game. But and I really think that's how you have to look at well, it. Well, yeah, though, right? and, and and I and I said this, John. You absolutely welcome to 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 slap me backwards on this. I thought that Daniel Jones reminded me an awful lot of John Elway in the second half against the Cardinals. I really believe that. I saw a lot of John Elway. I would it, say play style, yes. I think play style, yes. He threw the deep ball. Mm-hmm. He hung in there when he had to. He ran. He ran when he had yep. to and ran forward for big yardage when key spots. Now, just to be clear, you're not calling him John Elway. I'm not calling him John Elway. John Elway. You but said I he saw played lo- with that style. Yes, I, I saw a lot of that in what he did against the Cardinals in the second half. He was also kind of good Josh Allen, right? He, you know, if you take the all the not as interse- risky. <laughs> well, I said good Josh Allen. Yes. you take the interceptions away. Yeah. but you know, ran yeah. a lot, threw the ball down the field, and made a lot of big plays. He's going to need four quarters of that on Thursday. I could not agree. Yeah, you need to play like you did for the second half against Arizona for four quarters. A lot tougher against that defense, mind you, because it's a much bigger challenge. But yes, that's pretty much mm-hmm. where we're at. All right, let's go to Vinny in Florida. He's up next. Hey, Vin. Hey, how you doing? It's been a while, Johnny and Paulie Dots. I think it's been a year since I've called in, just been busy at work. Good to hear your voice, man. What's going on, Vin? Yeah, I am excited. And when I think about when the last time the Giants had a premier offensive line, it was Super Bowl time, right? We won the Super Bowl that year. And I'm not making predictions, but, hey, Gettleman did a great job getting – Andrew Thomas. He was ranked, I think, fourth that year, and he took him first as a lineman. And then since then, Shane has done a good job over the last two years. If Andrew Thomas starts, we could we could have the offensive line play its first game that's going to be the decade's next line for the Giants. Thomas, Azudu, Schmidt. McKeithen and Evan Neal. Yes, Vin, by I the way, and by the way, I'm happy you used the word could there because a lot of those players do still have to prove that they are good enough to be starters for the long term. But yes, in the ideal scenario, you are correct. And if you mm-hmm. think about it, there was a reason, Paulie Dutch, you said there's a reason McKeithen was brought back. I saw him play. I had never seen him before body-wise. He's, he's a big guy. He's a box and, car. No, he's, he's a monster. He really yeah. is. He's, he's, he's a box huge. car. He doesn't, move, yeah. he doesn't move great. He's not a great movement skill guy. Azuda's is a lot more mobile than he is. But McKeithen's also is much bigger than Azuda. Very square from top to bottom. He's square. Yeah, but Azuda's a big guy, too. I mean, he's, oh, he he's is. kind of dwarfs 
Bob Bredesen. And I'm just thinking, hey, this is our line for the next 10 years. Go Giants! Yeah, and I, and I, I checked it. And I checked it, by the way. I was surprised to see this when I went back and I looked at his combine stuff. I didn't realize Azudu with 34-inch arms. Is that That's probably why he was able to survive out there at tackle with those, you know, he has a longer set of arms. So. Appreciate you guys. Let's hope we get, we get a big win this time. And uh, Thank I'll you, be ben. listening as I do every day. Appreciate Talk it, man. Soon. By the way, I, I'm going to get to one or two emails here. BigBlueKickoff at gmail.com. Again, not Big Blue Kickoff Live. Just big blue kickoff <laughs> at gmail.com. I want the sure letters that you have to type into your computer. All right, so this is a question from uh, Jamel. I wanted to bring this up here because it kind of plays into our last couple of calls. It's in the same theme. All right, when Andrew Thomas comes back, should you think about moving Azudu out to right tackle in place of Neil or leaving Azudu at left tackle and putting Andrew Thomas at right? I will veto the second idea. Andrew Thomas is your left tackle. That's not changing. Mm-hmm. But is Azudu at tackle a legit long-term option here or not? I will give my answer first. I will just say I think right now that is not a consideration. I think they see Azudu more as a guard, and mm-hmm. he's kind of an emergency tackle. But down the road, if Azudu comes out – if it, let me put it this way. He did good for – he did well – for one game against Arizona when they do not have a really good edge rusher. If he has to play left tackle against San Francisco and he plays similarly well against the likes of Nick Bosa and Drake Jackson, then we can have a different conversation. But I need to see more before we start even making that a consideration. Yeah, I don't uh, I don't think they want him to be a full-time tackle. They would much rather him be a dominant guard for many years to come. But, you know, it's funny. We, uh, we've we talked over the years about different guys who have moved out, and it goes all the way back to Brad Benson back in the, uh, in the 80s. Justin Pugh was a guy who moved out to tackle but then went back to guard when he got to Arizona. We saw David Deal play guard and play tackle. Over the course of a guy's career, sometimes he just winds up playing where he's capable because that's where the team needs him to play. And I don't think the Giants feel, A, that they have a great need to put him out at tackle because they still believe in Neal. Yeah. And then number two, I believe that they think Azudu's capabilities are much more valuable at guard because of his athleticism and ability to come out and pull and do some things from that spot. Let's just put it this way. When they drafted Azudu, Paul, and we talked to him a million times after the draft, they did mention the fact that he was versatile, but they talked about him as a guard. They didn't mm-hmm. talk about him as a tackle. No so doubt. now, again, if he proves that he can do it, okay, then we have another conversation about it. But I, I don't think we're at that point yet. A question from Josh. This actually came in about a week ago, but I think it's a good time to answer his question. Um, he met, We mentioned that the team is staying out west because of the Thursday game. Are they staying in Tucson? And if so, are they practicing at the University of Arizona like they did a couple, couple years ago? So we're in Tempe, which is right near the – um, ASU ASU campus, so Arizona State, not Arizona, which is closer to Glendale and closer to the airport for us to do. I think we're only 15 minutes from the airport, right? When we yeah. fly out of here, it's pretty close. So yeah, yeah we're, we're on the we're on the campus of Arizona State. And the hotel here has done a nice job. It's been great. They have the meeting rooms all set up downstairs. They've been great. The food's been awesome. So the guys, the hotel here has really done a great job taking care of us. They hosted the walkthrough this morning here in the conference room. They didn't even go to the bubble. Giants went and used the Arizona State bubble. Uh, the last couple of days, and then did the conference center walkthrough this morning. And, um, you know, that's part of what we talked about in terms of preparation. You know, if the Giants had had the opportunity without having to be vagabonds, uh, you know, to make this vagabonds, trip, right? I like it. To make this trip to uh, San Francisco, they would have at least had, I don't know, what do you think, a shells practice? They certainly would have done more than, than a jog through or a walkthrough. I mean, they might have done for a, a Thursday game. Maybe? Usually, usually just do jog throughs before Thursday games. Uh, if they were home, I don't know. They might. They might have done one one shells. They might have. Maybe. I don't know. It's hard to say. But in any event, we're just talking about the absolute minimum of physical practice that you could possibly imagine by doing walkthroughs and jog throughs, and then you know walking through in the conference room. I mean, come on. This is Dable said. It's all about the details and the mental this week. 
It's all about mental prep, 100%. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marone148 sent an email in. And, yes, I know we have the calls online, but I want to get some of these questions that are relevant to, to this week's game. Uh, if um, Carter Coughlin, Paul, do you think if uh, Micah McFadden cannot go because of that injury he's dealing with, the stinger, right, mm-hmm. the shoulder injury, whatever mm-hmm. it is, mm-hmm. um, Carter Coughlin, Isaiah Simmons, do you think one of those are a better option? Your thoughts? Well, first up, Dable said he felt yesterday that McFadden would be okay and expected that he would be able to play. So that's first. But should that not be the case, John, I'm probably inclined to go with Simmons. I don't know how you feel, but I would probably go there. As long as they feel confident enough that he's got the playbook yeah, down. I mean, and I know he was still limited the other day. The snap in the game. counts have been so limited. I just, they have. It doesn't seem like they're ready to put him in there for, you know, give him a lot. They may yet. be forced to. Yeah. Uh, you know, again, he said last week going into the Arizona game that he had been given the entire playbook and felt pretty good about it. We'll see. Uh, Greg Kudish wants to know if we think it's possible if Dable took over the play calling in the second half against Arizona because they seem to open up the offense a little bit more. I really don't think that happened. Uh, Brian Dable said it hasn't. Mike Kafka was still saying the plays into to Daniel, according to Daniel. Guys, look, Brian Dable works with Kafka on this stuff. It's mm-hmm. not like Kafka is doing it on his own and Dable doesn't put his input in. Trust me, Brian Dable puts his input in. So I'm sure they worked. There's no doubt about that. I'm sure they worked together in the second half, and yeah, they they certainly did try to get the ball down the field more. There's no doubt about that. Who's the fella's name who wrote Uh, it? Greg. Greg, here's what I would say: If you had been in charge of this offense, you would have opened things up in the second half too. (laughs) So, so that in itself, just the fact that they started winging it downfield. That's not necessarily an indication that something changed. The bottom line is they were getting their butts handed to them, and they needed <laughs> yeah. to get the ball downfield. Right. And they figured it out. And the offensive line protected well enough to allow them to get the ball down the field, which is something that I'm trying to stress this week. After we killed them and the fans all killed mm-hmm. them for a week after Dallas, that Jalen Hyatt post-corner, Paul, that takes time. That's yeah. a three-second route. You need to protect other routes. Darren Waller had a double route where we kind of ran the little slant and then he ran a little out off of that. Mm-hmm. Like, Slayton had a not, nice one too. These are not quick routes. The offensive line had to protect in order to run those plays, and they did. Now, to be completely fair, Arizona played a very simplistic defense. Yep. They did not get fancy. They did not get complicated. And as the Giants were mounting their comeback, Arizona didn't seem to adjust at all to do anything to try to short-circuit them. Yep. And we need to at least put that into the puzzle too. Go subscribe to the John Soto Podcast, folks. A couple good episodes this week. I talked to Sean O'Hara yesterday. We you know, did a little bit on Arizona, but since he did the rapid reaction the, the day prior, we did mostly San Francisco stuff with Sean, so go check that out on the John Soto Podcast. And I think it's up, our game preview. It's not up yet. It will be shortly. Um, I had a chance to talk to Jalen Hyatt, Giants rookie wide receiver. Go check that out. Lance previews. Uh, the 49ers with uh, Cam Imden, who who covers them, I think, for the San Jose Mercury News, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. And then uh, Bob Papa with uh, head coach of the Giants, Brian Dable. So go check that out on the Giants Huddle podcast, your favorite cop podcast platform. Search for Giants Huddle, uh, Giants app, Giants.com slash podcast. And go, by the way, go subscribe to our newest podcast, the Giants Hangout. Two episodes a week, one reviewing the prior game, one looking ahead to the other one. We'll have three of those up this week with the Thursday game. So, again, go subscribe. The Giants Hangout. Search for it on your favorite podcast platform. Right, let's go back to the phones. Tom and Stratford's up next. Hi, Tom. Hi, guys. Hi, hi Joe. Um, can you What's tell up? me uh, why Jordan Riley didn't play this past Sunday? Uh, they decided that D.J. Davidson was someone they would prefer to have in there. Yep. I don't I don't have a better answer than that. I don't think Dable was asked about that over the last couple of days. I don't remember him being asked, and I will tell you I was a tad surprised when the list came out, and I was like, oh, DJ's up. Yeah, I, I, I thought Riley played very well uh, against the run in the first game, and I was uh, disappointed to see he wasn't in the next game. Do you think he'll play tomorrow night? That's a good question. I mean, I don't know how many snaps you're going to get behind Leonard, Dexter, Nacho, and Ashawn anyway. I right. mean, you're probably only going to get a handful because those are your first four guys up in those spots. So it's a good question, Tom. I, I wish I had a better answer for you. I don't. But you know, the one thing it speaks to is day. the depth of this team, though. I, I just want to real quick yeah. say to you, the Giants are really a matchup-oriented team more so than they've ever been before because they have so much depth. 
they're very willing to say certain guys are going to fit better against well, certain matchups. And defensive line. In the past, they couldn't do that. And defensive line depth was such a weakness last year. It's something they knew they had to address right. this offseason. See, that's why, that's why I agree with um, the caller from uh, Maryland who said, you know, our run defense is not looking so good the first two games. So he wanted to go to a 4-3, uh, which is what I would prefer because I, I think our, our linemen, we have the depth in the line to handle a 4-3. If they were to go to a 4-3, though, who would you have on the ends? And, who, and I guess you would have, um, obviously, Dexter, as one of the defensive tackles, uh, uh, positions would you put Leonard Williams out on the end or at the other defensive tackle position no I mean it, it would it would be your same alignment probably Tom as what you have in nickel where you would have Dexter and Leo inside and you would have Aziz and Thibodeau as your two ends yeah see I'm, I'm, I'm more concerned about like if we're facing a running team well, I mean, yeah, I if, 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 if facing a running team, you'd go with your five-man front, and you'd have Leo, Dexter, and you know either Ashawn or Nacho, and then you'd have your two A-Shawn. edge players outside. Yeah. Okay. You, you, okay. But you, what you want to do, I think Thank what the you, caller Tom. wants to do, he wants to put four guys down in the dirt. He doesn't want to go with three down, two stand-ups and make it a five-man front. He's talking about a conventional four-man yeah, and in the dirt. Yeah, I guess. I don't know why you would do that, though. A different look, I guess. Okay, if you if you're worried about a four man run heavy front, then yeah, I would put Leo at one of the. I would put Leo and Thibodeau outside, and I would have probably Ashawn and and Dexter be your two inside tackles. Yeah. If your if your main concern is stopping the run, that's what I would do. Yeah. And then and then the other thing too, you know, I part of me and I know there's been a lot of conversation about Thibodeau and and and. He has not been blitzing an awful lot during the first two games. Very little, as a matter of fact. He's been holding the point of attack. He's been holding the line of scrimmage. I'm I'm curious, and we haven't had the chance to talk to Wink this week. I'm curious as to his utilization and, and what what they're trying to do philosophically sometimes with that front because they must see something that's making them do what they're doing. It's just not the typical send those guys like mad dogs after the quarterback. I, I just think it's the matter of the way the two games have gone. Maybe I mean, that's true. You're down that, Game flow. You're down that big against Dallas. I mean, by the time the defense had their second possession against Dallas, they're already down 16 nothing. Yeah. You know, they trailed 20 nothing to Arizona in the first half. It's not like Josh Dobbs is running a bunch of five, seven-step drops. No, he's not game. either. It was That's quick true. stuff and play action. So I understand the lack of sacks is, is, is frustrating and concerning, quite frankly. I get it. They – you can still figure out a way to get a sack or two, even if other teams mm-hmm. are getting the ball out quick. 100% agree. No argument. But I think it's just been the, the, the type of offensive they've faced in the game flow of the two games has made it difficult to, to generate a pass rush. And the other thing, John, they are not doing anything really well in terms of stopping the run these first two games. And a couple, and the one time, I don't know if you watched this play when you rewatched the Giants game, Paul, they had one of their few times they actually were able to blitz and stunt on a, on a third down. And, like, a couple guys ran into each other, and it just, you know, Thibodeau was coming around on a slant. He almost runs into Okereke, and it just it, it just wasn't a lot of rhythm there. I don't, And that's something they practice all the time. Oh, I know. Over, during the course of camp. Constant. They have, they have one session in every practice where that's all they're doing. But I just think maybe because they haven't had a chance to do it that much because of the way the games have gone that Could they be. just haven't kind of – hit their rhythm yet on those types of plays. Anyway, I don't think I'd go with four man down right now as an option. No. That would not be my the way I would go. All right, let's go to Coach Marvin in Delaware. He's up next. Hey, Coach. And by the way, especially since they run so much wide zone, the Niners, you actually want to have five guys there <laughs> to widen out your front a little That's bit. That's true. Coach, what's up? How are, you, how are my two favorite guys doing? We're great, Coach. How are you? Hey. I'm all right. Uh, the 4-3, I, I just don't think they got the personnel to play a 4-3. You, you don't have the down linemen to play it and play it consistently the way you want to play it. You, either you're going to be one way or the other. You, either they stopping the run or rushing the ball. Uh, I, I don't, I, I'm not a fan of that. If you're going to play a 4-3, then draft 4-3 players. And, and I play. agree, Marvin. How about this? I'm going to throw a no, I just thought of a different Hottie idea. Hottie Ward is the other guy. What if you put Hottie at end and then you have Dexter and Leo inside? You literally, that's literally what I was about to say. I guess you could do that too. But yeah, I agree. But I, don't I, think, I, I don't really think it's an option, it. so I don't think we have to worry about it. Oh, I don't think they're going to do that. I think there's zero chance that happens. Um, yeah, I don't I, think it happens I'm either, even Coach. Fan, but... I'm not even, yeah, I'm not a fan of Ward uh, being a, a, a down 4-3 defensive end either. It's just not 
it's not a big threat to, to me. That's my opinion. It's just not a big threat. It doesn't put fear in anybody. They don't have that defensive end. You don't have a Michael Strahan or Tucker, those dudes no, on the defense. Agreed. So I, I'm not a fan of it. Um, but as we're talking about more pressure, we don't even know what they ask from Thibodeau to do. Are they? Because sometimes they go, oh, you stop the run, worry about the run, then you worry about the pass. But he's not putting his ears back and just going. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I because I, I, we're I, we're not in the room, but and I've never seen him do it. But I would like to see him move around. I would like to see him switch sides, um, put him on the um, on their left side. Um, they have switched the him a little side. bit, Coach. What he Thibodeau? Just he just flopped a Thibodeau little. Thibodeau actually played on the left side a lot against Arizona. Yeah, he did. Oh, he did. Oh, mm-hmm. okay, because. Uh, uh, I couldn't see it because the, where I'm at, the game wasn't – I didn't see the game. I was looking at it on red zone so I can only see – or I could see some of the highlights from it and see where he's coming from. So that, yeah. that's good to hear. Um, this is going to be a tough game. Um, um, I'm going to go to where Paul went. Uh, this is going to be a tough game. But, but, you know, I just saw something on TV. I just saw they were like 10-point underdogs. Um I, I, I think they I think they can play a good game this tomorrow night. The reason I say that is because they're already out there by the West Coast. So it's not really a long travel. If they played on the East Coast um this Sunday, they'd be still here and they're gonna have to travel out to the West Coast and play. They're already out there in that time zone. So I, I think that's gonna play a role. Um I'm I'm hoping to, as complicated as to, uh, um San Francisco's um run game is they, they're very good at movement and motions and all those things um i'm thinking myself maybe i bring i i don't give them a lot of space as far as between the secondary and the um and the line of scrimmage where because i think it they may want to get the ball out quick so maybe the safeties can come down don't play as deep as they normally do maybe come down a little bit to close those gaps down a little bit maybe something like that I'm not sure. I'm just doing things against the wall to figure out a way to slow them down. Um, That's the only thing I can think of because this is going to be a difficult um, task for them based on the the first six quarters we saw. But uh, I'm encouraged by the last two quarters I saw. And when I said I'm going to go where Paul went and he said he don't like doing that, I'm, you, you, it's okay to put things on players. And I did last week. I put it on Daniel on my Instagram. The first thing I said was, this is not about Barkley like I normally say. This is going to be about Daniel Jones. And Daniel Jones did come out and um, play well. Outstanding. And a lot of people talking about the play. Did they switch who called? They did. I don't believe they switched. I believe what happened is in the locker room at halftime, Dable may have said, we we got to make a play. Let's just go down the street. I mean, go down the uh, field and make a play. Let them yeah. run a nine route and get it up there. So when you're at halftime and you're talking like that, offensive line knows what's coming. The wide receivers knows what's coming. Everybody on the team knows what's coming. So you prepare. You prepare yourself mentally, physically when you get ready to go back there. Not that they don't always do it, but it's different when you're in play and you call in plays and then you say, okay, let's run – Let's run a nine route and see if we can get it downfield. And, and you know, what's that, about the 25 seconds you got when you get that to go and do it compared to halftime. So mentally, yeah. I think they came out, and what did that do? That just pushed them on their heels. Soon as, soon as Hyatt got that pass, they were on their heels. And you can well, see the Well, let me ask you oh. both the question. Coach Marvin and John, I'm going to ask both of you. I'm I'm thinking to myself, the way that Ward plays, I could see Hyatt making a move on him, getting him to bite, and then running past him. If you hit Hyatt early on a bomb, like yes. you did in the third quarter in Arizona, what do you think yes. that would do in San that's Francisco? Where, that's that's where the I play was, I'd want to see. That's where I was going. I did that as a coach. I wouldn't do it on the first play. I did it on the second play. I would do it in a play where – we would have a halfback option pass. We'd do a sweep because they see us do it in my films all the time. Mm-hmm. But those good teams, they haven't seen it where we'll come out in it. They see it's a sweep, and, they, and then I get those guys coming up. 
but it's a, it's a halfback um, option pass where I can get don't, the ball down. And, yeah, and don't say, wait for don't don't wait to use the wait, big play no. as a spark until That's after you're right. down. Right. Try to make right. try to do that right right out of the box. Hey, look, this is something right. that that Jonathan Casillas says all the time. And I, you know me, I'm always in. I think you have to throw the ball down the field if you want to be a big time offense in this league. I think you have to. And I'm with you, Coach Marvin. Look, I have no. I, I'm with you. I think. I think is what you got to do it early, and you got to make. And this is what again, JC says this all the time. You have to make them fear your downfield passing game because right. it opens up a lot, a lot of other things you want to do in your offense. That's right. And Paul, uh, back to what you were just saying about that. I don't even think you, this dude does not need a double move. He's running by them. <laughs> he is fast. That post he ran, he ran by two of them. Yeah, yeah. And if Daniel got you, the Coach. ball further downfield, he would have scored. He had to wait on the ball. He outran the ball. <laughs> he's, he's special. Thank you, Coach. we got to run that. I have a couple. Yeah, it's, it's, it is amazing. And what? by I the have... way, he is, I think – thank you, Coach. Appreciate the call. We have uh, – he's run – a deeper average route than any other player in the league so far this year, Hyatt. So they've chosen to use him in very specific circumstances. And he also, I believe, um, has an average miles per hour on his route, probably because they are all deeper routes, by the way. Mm -hmm. The deeper the route, the faster you're going to run. So I think he has has the fastest average miles per hour on his routes of any wide receiver this year. The problem is, on your point on a double move, Double moves require a lot of protection. I know. But maybe maybe on a play-action pass, so it buys you a little bit more time to run the double and move. And if you get them quickly, maybe they're asleep. Yeah, maybe. Maybe the Niners are asleep early on and you hit them. Big. Look, Speaking John, of which, you, you do have to come out of the gate better this week. If you get down two scores in the first half in this game, you're done. It's a wrap. I'm, I'm going to tell you this right now, and, and, and you, you know, you know this is not me. You have to try to make this a higher-scoring game. Because you're not going to beat the Niners 17-14. to 14. No. That's not happening. Hey, what I said at the top of the show, five straight regular season games with at least 30 points. Okay. It's not going to happen. No, you got to score. You're, you're, this is going to have to be 31-28, 34-30. It's going to have to be that kind of game if the Giants have a chance. All right. So we got a couple more email questions, then I'm going to get to you, Tim, as well. Don't worry. We'll get to you. Um, well, first, big homie Loke, 413. First, he thinks Charlie's an undercover Jet fan because of the way he's so <laughs> negative about the Giants. <laughs> Paul and I have met Charlie in person. We can attest. He is actually a Giants fan, despite his uh, tendency to be a little bit negative. Um, His question is, with defenses like Dallas and the Niners, don't you think it could help if Daniel started using a hard snap count more, the same way Eli used to back in the day, and Aaron Rodgers used to catch a lot of defenders off guard with that too? Here's the problem. You can't do it on the road in a loud building. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to do it at home. Uh, now, in week one against Dallas, I guess you could have. Unfortunately, that building got loud for the Cowboys relatively quickly in that game uh, because it went so poorly for the Giants early. Uh, but, yes, big homie, that is something you can do. Especially with a team that gets off the snap as quickly as they do with their front four. But but John is right. If the crowd gets into it, it kind of eliminates that possibility. So you're going to have to pick your spots to do it early in the game while it's still close on maybe an early down so that maybe instead of a first and ten, you got a first and five yeah. because you're able to create mm-hmm. something. And just maybe they don't get quite as quick off the ball. Maybe they're do. worried about the snap yeah. count too. James Ballpaw, he says, one underrated play from Sunday's game, Eric Gray's 14-yard punt return yes. when they were down 28-21. Mm-hmm. I know you're big on special, so I'm going to give you a chance to uh, reply to that. Yeah, it was, it was a very important play, and it's one of the reasons why I think the Giants are going to keep Gray as their primary return guy because going into the season, they figured they'd give him a shot. It was going to be a trial by fire and see, you know, could you hold it down? And he made good decisions, and on that play, he actually, you know, got them some yards. And then James is funny. He goes, how about them apples, Donnie from Queens? Because Donnie is the one that's been calling up asking about Gray on putt returns. Mm-hmm. But then he puts in parentheses. Now, Gray's following putt return at 28-28, that one was maybe a bit dicey, but let's focus on the <laughs> positive here, which I think is kind oh, of Oh, hey, they, they, so- have, they got the ball. They got possession. That's yes, all that matters. Yes, yes, they did. But I, I, you I know, thought I, that was funny. Here's a here's a good one. I don't know. I didn't look at your script yet for the uh, for the pregame show. Yes. Uh, what do you think is going to happen if Blackley doesn't play? Ooh. Will Breda be the bell cow, or will they divvy things up between Brightwell, Gray, and Breda, and all three of them are going to see packages, which is what I think is going to happen. I agree with you. I think they divvy it up. 
Yeah. And I there will there, there might be a question in fact or fiction over on there about Is that. Is there one? There might oh, be. see, <laughs> I didn't even look yet. Didn't even look yet. There might be. That's one of them. But I, I think all three backs will get touches in the game. I really do. Uh, 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. All right, let's wrap this up with Tim and Charleston. Tim, what's going on? I want to try to sneak a workout in here before we get on a plane oh. to San Francisco. Yep. All it's right. It's going to be tight. What's up, Tim? Hey, guys. I'm going to be quick. Uh, just I have a couple of questions about uh, guys from last year. You can shoot and give me your answers real rapid fire here. Darian sure. Beaver is still on the practice squad, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. So do you think it was more performance or is it more yes. where he's still recovering? Yeah, it was performance. Uh, b- okay. Uh, yes. I, I don't think he played right. well enough to make the 53. McKeithen yeah, did I a good that. job beating him out. Now, if Beaver and- – uh, no, uh, not McKeithen, McFadden. McFadden, yes. McFadden. Now, yes. If, now, if he – maybe the performance has to do with his health, I can't answer that question. But, yeah, it wasn't a deal where we're, like, hiding him because he's still injured. That that was not an issue. He didn't right. come out of the and- box at 250 miles an hour, and that's for sure. Correct. And then I know you're out of time, so I'm going to cut one out and go right to the big one. Is, is- Sure. Daniel Bellinger, now obviously game flow, I think, had more to do both of the first first, uh, six quarters uh, with why I don't even remember seeing or hearing him. I'm sure he was on the field a bit. But um, uh, what do you think about about Bellinger and and working him in with, you know, uh, with uh, Waller in the slot and and Bellinger in line and, and creating some, you know, maybe some open shots for Bellinger to get some first downs. I mean, do you think that's a feasible part of the game plan? Yeah, good question, um, Tim. In week one, the Giants used 12 personnel probably more than they did in any game last year. It was their primary personnel package. Um, Yeah, so in week one, they used that a lot. I'm looking up week two now because I actually did not check that for the game against Arizona. It's a short week. I only have so much time to look back at stuff. So in week two... They had a grouping of plays. Well, I'm I'm looking it up right now. I can tell you exactly what they did. So not a surprise given they were down. Uh, 47 of their, that would be 68 offensive snaps were out of 11 personnel. Mm -hmm. 19 were out of 12 personnel, and two were out of 22 personnel, which is two running backs and two tight ends. So, right. uh, Does he actually, have any – how many targets has he had? Do you, do you know that offhand? I can check that too. Here, here's what I will say, Tim. I do think that you're going to have to see some more two tight ends because you're going to need Bellinger to help out against that rush. Yep. I mean, that's just, that's just common sense. Uh, you know how dangerous that 49ers front four is. And if you can just give Daniel that extra half a second, I think he's going to be able to do something with the ball. So I'm not I'm not thinking that Bellinger's going to be going out much for passes, even when he's in the game. But on an occasional surprise, maybe he can catch a key a key one at a key moment. So he had 44 snaps in Week One, but just 28 in Week Two. And again, that's a lot of that's game flow. Yeah. All right, thank you, guys. I uh, look forward to the game tomorrow night. I got my fingers crossed that we can at least keep it close and interesting into the fourth quarter. That's my hope right now. Thanks, Tim. Appreciate the call, my friend. Giant fans, uh, tomorrow, Paul and I will be in San Francisco getting ready for the game, but Lance and, oh, a special guest tomorrow. Jeff Fiegels will be joining Lance Meadow on Big Blue Kickoff Live on Thursday afternoon. So if you like Fiegs, go tune in to Big Blue Kickoff Live. Lance and Fiegs will get you ready for the game at our usual time at 1230 on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. So make sure you guys go check that out. Of course, if you guys want Giant tickets, go to Giants.com slash tickets, whether it's single game seats or if you want to look into a season ticket membership, you can do all that at Giants.com slash tickets and go download Giants TV, the Giants connected TV streaming app on Roku, wherever you, Apple TV, your phone, you name it, go your tablet, wherever you got, make sure you go check that out. Thank you for joining us, everybody. From Tempe, this went well today, better than Monday. For those of you that listen to the show, we're happy about that. For Paul Dottino, I'm John Schmelk. Do you have any final thoughts, Paul, before the game, real quick? Let's just go have a blast. Yes, and just look, <laughs> just play good football again. You know, I, just just play good, solid Giants football. You still might end up losing the game. And that's okay. But I want to just feel good that the baseline level of play for this team is much higher than it was in the first six quarters of the season this year. In short, you'd like to see the Giants start to formulate their true identity. Yes, correct. I think that's a great point. 
For Paul Dottino, I'm John Schmo. Thanks to Don back in the shop. And again, go check out those Giant Huddle podcasts and the Giants Hangout. They're up there to get you ready for the game Thursday night, uh, today and tomorrow. We'll see you then. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count.